and his truth endureth unto all generations. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. For the Lord is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Therefore enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so this morning. Come on, let's put our hands together and let's just worship the Lord. Not because I asked you to. And not because praise and worship is over. But because you recognize that praise always exists in the heart of somebody who's been a recipient of God's grace. Any hands lifted can still sing that song and say, he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Anybody can go back to the old days. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. We praise God this morning. We thank you for the worship that it's such a privilege to be in the presence of such skillful worship leaders. Would you say amen? That take us to the throne room of heaven every time we come in this place. And it's just a blessing. Brothers and sisters, my name is Myron Evans and I am your pastor of this church. And I uh, just want to introduce myself to you today. Uh, first Sabbath of this month, I drove uh, on Friday night, I drove uh, all the way to, well, Friday morning, I drove to uh, Washington, D.C. My first cousin got married at midnight on Friday, really Saturday. She says, I want to get married at midnight. I said, is this the wise and foolish virgins? Uh, what, what is this? Anyway, so, you know, when it's family, you got to, you got to do what family says do, amen? So uh, the first Sabbath of this month, uh, on the Friday night, I drove all the way to D.C., did the funeral at midnight. My mom realized, uh, did I say funeral? I'm getting to that next. That's coming. I'm sorry. I mean, it's all jumbled. We did that too. Um, did the wedding, right? Yes. Did the wedding at midnight. My mom realized how stupid I was for driving all the way there, intending to come and be back here on Sabbath. And so she says, uh, listen here, you fool, I'm, I'm going to ride back with you. And so we left at 2 a.m. immediately after the, the wedding. Uh, I was high on uh, what you call that stuff in the little five-hour energy and Starbucks. And midway through the trip, we got around to Pittsburgh after Breezewood. And I had a blowout in the tire. And so I had to drive up in some very strange area outside of Pittsburgh where there wasn't a lot of people uh, my, my color and I was trying to find a tire. But because I have an all-wheel drive car, they just won't put any tire on that car. So finally we found a tire. By now it is like 8.30 in the morning, Mike. And I'm still planning on preaching at church. So I get in the car, we get our tire, we get back here at about 11.30, but it's all right because we grace community and the service starts at 12.30. And so I came in, got dressed, got in the car, rushed the family, uh, angrily rushed the family, got in on the way to church. I got to about Euclid coming off of Cliffview. And I felt so sick, like I was going to pass out, that I literally got into the car and said, I, I need to go back home. That was the Sabbath that Pastor Johnson and Pastor Fred 
they had to call an audible. But the Lord moved mightily with that discussion that they had that morning. Uh, and then the Sabbath after that, uh, the Friday, before, uh, Friday following that, I had knee surgery. And I thought that I was going to be here again on Sabbath after the knee surgery. I was like, it's just a scope. I'm just a young man. I, I can be back. Well, after I took that oxycodone, codon, whatever, what is it, whatever it's called. I don't know how people get high on that stuff. That stuff is awful, man. That thing had me sick for like three days. Had to get it out of my system. And so I missed that Sabbath. And so I said, but I'm going to preach the next Sabbath. But my knee uh, just wasn't right yet. And so I had to stay home. Sabbath after that was camp meeting. And then yesterday, am I getting this right? Yeah, I missed another one. Uh, I don't know what happened there. Uh, 29th, I was in Pittsburgh with some family folk. And then yesterday, uh, my first cousin, Angie, we buried her yesterday in Savannah, Georgia. So I got up about 3 a.m. to catch a 510 flight into Jacksonville and drive from Jacksonville, which is two hours, into Savannah, Georgia, uh, to bury my first cousin. And as soon as it was over, I jumped in the car, drove back to Jacksonville, caught a plane, flight was delayed, got here at 1.30 a.m. last night, and I'm here today. I'm tired, but I just need to ask y'all to pray for me that the Lord would be my strength. I'm not uh, quick and like I used to be raw, quick in the King James Version. I don't, the strength I, I used to have when I was 25 and 30, I don't have no more. I'm a believer now. Lord have mercy. But anyway, it's good to be back with family. Would you say amen? It's good to see y'all today. And I'm anxious to share. We're in a new series. Uh, the title of our series is Future Church. Uh, we started off, as you know, we're in uh, a, a whole year-long series called uh, Know Your Stuff. Somebody shout, Know Your Stuff. And Know Your Stuff is a study on the doctrines of our church. And we started off with the doctrine of God. We then went to the doctrine of man. And then we looked at the doctrine of salvation. And now we're looking at the doctrine of the church. I'm very amped. I'm super excited, Pastor Kim, about this short series that we're going to look at before we go into our evangelism series. So without further ado, I just want to invite you, if you will, if you'll join me in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. What book did I say, everybody? Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look at uh, verses 14 through 17. And if you would be so kind and if you got strength in your body, would you just stand as we read scripture this morning? Just stand if you would. We just we read the scripture. If you would like to look at it on the screen, it's in the New Living Translation of the Bible. If you need to use your phone or your device, New Living Translation will begin at Matthew 9 and verse 14. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 14. If you're there, would you say amen? If you're ready for words, say I'm ready. All right. The Bible says, one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Verse 15, Jesus replied, 
do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the bridegroom? Of course not. But someday the groom, somebody shout the groom. The groom will be taken away from them and then they will do what, everybody? Verse 16. Besides, now Jesus, y'all know he has a strange way of answering folks' questions. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and whip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine, somebody shout new wine, into old wineskins. For the old skins would burst from the pressure. Somebody shout pressure. Spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine. Everybody repeat after me. New wine is stored. Come on, everybody. New wine is stored in new wine skins. Say it again, everybody. New wine is stored in new wine skins. The Bible says so that both are preserved. The title of our message today is Back to the Future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're asking in the name of Jesus, as was prayed earlier by Pastor Kim and prayed again by Elder Davis, that we are in need right now of you to do something extraordinary, supernatural, impactful, transformative, life-changing. We want to know that God was here and we weren't here by ourselves. We're looking and expecting for a divine visitation right now. Desperate people here are hungry. Their hearts are turned towards you. They have not come for form or for fashion to be entertained or just for a good word. But somebody needs to touch the hem of your garment today. Somebody needs to know that God was present and that he was high and lifted up and that his train filled the temple. God, have your way according to uh, your word, uh, you said it would not return void. Do it for me even now, oh God, have mercy on me and give me strength and power to be able to say what thus saith the Lord. In the mercy name, merciful name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God is good. Do you guys remember that movie from, I guess, 18, 19, I was about to say 1888. Y'all remember that movie from, from the 80s? Yep. 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 Marty McFly. The name of that movie was called Back to the Future. Back to the Future had, I think, four or five sequels. The problem uh, with after sequel two or three, it starts getting old after a while, doesn't it? But I remember that movie. And I was trying to tell my son just the other day. He was saying, Dad, do you have any old films that you can recommend that we watch? I said, you know, you know any parent, is, especially when the new school comes to you, you know, yeah, you want to look at some old stuff, Rob? <laughs> Come on. And so uh, I was telling him about the Goonies and uh, uh, telling him about uh, Ghostbusters and, uh, you know, things from the 80s. And, and then Sinead said, what about Back to the Future? And, you know, Back to the Future, uh, Michael J. Fox, y'all know him. Uh, some of y'all may not even remember the show. Um, oh, man, Lord, I'm dating myself. Uh, there, uh, there used to be a time you watched the Cosby show and then you watched, what's the name of that show Michael J. Fox was on? Somebody Family Ties. You, those were the shows that you watched. And, of course, then he went to a whole other level with this new series of Back to the Future. Now, the very, the very premise of Back to the Future is that somehow Michael J. Fox, this kid whose name was Marty McFly, 
had a mad scientist teacher. Follow me now, brothers and sisters. Had a mad scientist school teacher. And this school teacher was working on this invention, a time machine that was made out of a car called a DeLorean. I don't know any car, and only, only the car nerds would even know what a DeLorean is. I know Fred Bozeman knows what I'm talking about, a DeLorean. You remember that car, a DeLorean? And so this DeLorean, thank you, thank you, Margaret. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. No shade. That's, that's not a gender hate there. I'm just still impressed. So anyway, this, this, this DeLorean was, was fitted out to take him back in time. And by mistake, how, everybody? By mistake, Marty McFly ended up in the car and went back to the future. And he ended up going back in time where his parents were in high school. And so it was his responsibility, essentially, to go back in time and help his family get back to the future, which was his present. Does that make any sense, everybody? In many ways, in many ways, I believe as a church that in order for us to chart our future, that our future really is going back. In other words, in order to go forward, I believe our forward is really in going back. And I'm not talking about going back 1,500 years ago. I'm not talking about going back, uh, you know, to the 70s and the 60s. I'm talking about going back to the way that Jesus designed and wanted church to be. How many are longing and hungry for something more? If you're not hungry yet, you're going to be hungry in a minute because I'm going to do the best I can to whet your appetite. I just think that God has so much more for the church than many of us are presently experiencing. In many ways, it's sad when you look at many of our churches. The Lord has blessed me to be able to travel just a little bit. And what I'm telling you right now, if you will hear me today, if your heart is in tune to the voice of the Spirit, Hear me when I tell you that there is a crisis in Western Christianity. When I say Western Christianity, I'm not talking, I'm talking specifically about Europe and in the United States. There is a crisis that is happening in our churches, in our Christian communities, to now we are literally seeing for the first time almost in, in American history, our churches are emptying out in droves. Church attendance, I want you to hear me, church attendance, according to all statistics, according to all the guys who do all the research, they are telling us now, and I'm seeing it with my own eyes, that church attendance is down across the nation. Even megachurches like, uh, North, like, like North Point Church, led by famed megachurch pastor Andy Stanley, reported that his megachurch is down in attendance but, but up in giving. In other words, people have, are pretty much giving up on the idea of coming to church. It's falling off. And we're seeing it even in our own congregation. As we sit here right now, the truth of the matter is, is as we count the numbers each week, we are seeing a decline in church attendance. And, and I'll tell you, it's of no surprise to me. I was just passing, uh, preaching at a church in Pittsburgh a few, uh, just, just last week. And, and when I was there, they had a special day. The pastor was discouraged. And he said, man, things are going so well at this church. I, I just don't understand where, where everybody is. And, and I said, I understand what you're talking about. He said, he said, from one Sabbath to the next, you never really know who's going to be here. And we began to talk about the good old days, when the good old days, it didn't matter what was going on in the church, if people agreed or dis didn't, uh, uh, disagreed with what was happening in the church. At the end of the day, the church was always full of people. 
whether they liked the pastor or not, didn't like the pastor, or whether they liked what was going on in the church, didn't like going on in the church, there was, there was a day where churches, not just ours, we're talking about cross-denominationally, because the issue that I'm talking about today is not just an Adventist problem. Hear me, y'all, when I'm telling you that I'm talking to pastors and church leaders and visiting churches, and church attendance across the nation is beginning to dwindle. Right now, to be considered an active member, an active member, to be considered an active member of the church, all it means is that you attend a church service at least once a month. Once a month. A committed, what kind of member did I say, everybody? A committed member is considered to be somebody that attends church at least twice a month and is involved in some ministry. Now, that should bother you because that says to me, based on the apostolic movement that Christ set when he started the church, that we have fallen so far away from the mark that God designs for the church of God to be a force in our communities, to be a force in, in, in difficult times, to be a light in darkness. We are literally in a time right now where I believe that Satan is totally unafraid of the church. You may not know this. But we are living in a post-Christian society. I need you to just roll with me today, a post-Christian. In other words, uh, when I grew up in, in, the, in the 80s and in the 90s and some of you in the 60s and 70s, you well knew that all you had to do was simply convince people that the seventh day was the Sabbath because they already believed in God. When Billy Graham would run these massive evangelistic series in, in, these, in these big stadiums and arenas, they would be full with tens of thousands of people. And simply telling them the story of Jesus Christ was enough to create what we know as a pre-Pentecostal revival in America. Thousands of people came to the Lord in the 60s and 70s. Many of you here right now are here because a family member or somebody joined the church in the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. Well, somewhere around the 90s, there began to be a shift in the church. Church began to be seen as a, 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 from a consumer perspective. In other words, the church is where I went to go get something. And if, in fact, I did not receive what I was looking for, then church was no longer good to me. And so now, hear me, watch, watch, watch the transition now we're living in an age where people will opt to watch online when they live in the same city of multiple churches. Literally, I talk to people all the time who are like, uh, man, Pastor, man, your message was, was awesome, was powerful. I said, were you at church? They said, no, I watched you online, and then I watched Michael Kelly in California, and then, then I was able to watch Snell in Huntsville, and then, man, I threw some Jakes in there, and I was able to watch Stephen Furtick. Man, I had a sermon marathon all Sabbath. I said, how are you able to do that? Oh, I just watched online. And all this simply does is showing us, and I'm not totally against watching online, but I want you to understand what has happened. The idea of church has shifted from a people and a movement to a service so that we will actually say we had church. You ever heard that before? We had church. What are we saying when we say we had church? We're saying we had a good worship service. And what becomes dependent upon that, this reductionist view of church, is whether the sermon was good, the music was good, and we had a good time. So watch what's happening now, y'all. So that, look, I can avoid all the uh, negative stuff about church. I can avoid it. I don't have to deal with haters anymore. 
I don't have to deal with mean people anymore. I don't have to deal with folks talking about me anymore. I don't have to, I don't have to deal with traffic. I don't have to fight for a seat. All I got to do now is I can sit at home and guess what? I can just simply watch what I want to watch. And guess what? If I don't like the message, I can switch it and find one I like. And if I don't like the message that I find, I can simply look through that message and find points in there that I like or that I don't like. So that we now have gone from church as a movement, church as an army, church as an unstoppable force, to now we're in a day and age where church is simply a soundbite of something good we heard that made us feel good either in the worship service or online. Cross-bearing. As Christ described the church, he said, if any man would come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. He realized that the Christian movement was not going to be for crybabies, but that the Christian movement was going to be for cross bearers. People that did not allow any small thing to discourage them from the work of God. But in fact, they realized that they had to deny themselves, that they had to take up their cross, and that they had to follow the Lord. And they would follow him through dangerous toils, and they would follow him through persecution. Because we recognize as a church that a day is soon coming where everything that we have ever known about church, everything that we have ever known about the world is getting ready to be turned upside down. Church attendance as we know it will be dead. We are literally going to be running from our lives, from the authorities, from the police. Do you still believe this? That the day will come according to the word of God. The Bible says where there will be a time of trouble such as never was. And the church is limping to the time of trouble. Do you realize that 70%, 70% of young people leave the church? 70 if you, pick, if you pick 10 young people, count seven of them. And according to the research now, 70% of them will leave Elder Cox. And the studies are showing that the number is increasing. Did you also know, this is a Seventh-day Adventist statistic, that one in three Seventh-day Adventists will leave the church. One in three. One in three. 33%. Of a Seventh-day Adventist church we will leave. In the past 50 years, 11 million Adventists have left the church. And we boast of 20 million members worldwide. 11 million churches, thousands of churches are closing their doors. They are literally turning churches into hotels and into nice, cute lofts in our communities. Churches no longer are being seen as a place of refuge where people go, but churches now are decorative, uh, historic landmarks in communities that developers are using to boast of new Airbnb hotels. And this change is happening imperceptibly, and we're not even noticing. I want to say right now, I believe that we are all asleep, including myself. That there is something on the rise that is getting ready to happen. It is happening in the church, and many of us are totally getting ready to be caught off guard by a move of God that is literally going to shake the heavens and the earth. And while this is happening, according to Revelation 3, the church is increased with goods. They have need of nothing, and we have elevated pettiness. Over the power of God. 
We get more upset when things are absent from church that are tangible, that are things, that are traditions. But where are God's people that are weeping between the porch and the altar because his presence is not felt? In China right now, in China, that's the east, not the west. Christianity is exploding. They have no issues with church attendance, even though people are being executed for their faith. They have no issues with commitment to Bible study and prayer. While people are being killed, Christianity is outlawed. Literally, pull up this stuff on YouTube. There are hundreds of thousands of people that are worshiping underground. They are congregating together. They are praying. They are fasting. They are having 24-hour prayer seasons. Miracle signs and wonders are taking place before their very eyes. They have less than us. They are in a communist society. Christianity is being oppressed and stomped out at every hand. But something happens to the church when the church is under attack that I believe is an opportunity for us. Here's what I'm trying to say today. Let me, let me just, what I believe is that I believe that the current situation in our church, our young people, I did a post on Facebook the other day. I said, young adults, tell me right now what you want the church to start doing and stop doing. And there's only one reason why I asked young adults. There's only reason one why. The reason I did is because they're not even the church of the future. They're the church of now. Let's just be honest, everybody. As, I be, as a parent now, I'm looking at my kids and I'm saying, here is the church in front of me. And we up here tripling about millennials. Are y'all ready for Generation Z? Uh, y'all's folks gave y'all hell over playing uh, a gospel music like the Blend Rights. That's old school. I, I caught a few of y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you're from Allegheny West Conference. Uh, some of y'all caught hell when you first had drums in the church. Some of you, you caught hell when, when you sang choir gospel music in the church. And, and it sounded gospel-like, like James Cleveland and, 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 and the Hawkins family and, and things of that nature. Those, those are the old days. And, and then we shifted to praise and worship. And, and that generation fought against praise and worship. They didn't like the idea of a, a group standing there and it felt concert-like, felt performance-like. But are you ready? Am I ready for my kids and their idea of what church looks like? Hear me now, everybody. Are, are we ready for a DJ to open up praise and worship? Because that's where it's going. Hear me now. I ain't hating on it. I'm just telling you, uh, I'm going to tell all the millennials and, and Gen Xers the same way you got mad that they hated on your worship styles and that you got pushed back. You better get ready that you don't do the same thing to the next generation because they're going to throw out your praise and worship and they're going to start having spoken word. They're going to throw out your bands and they're going to start having DJs and, and they're going to be wrapping your tithes and offerings. Your intercessory prayers are going to be done in poetry. They're not going to have pews and chairs. They're going to be sitting on mats and they're going to be sitting on bean bags. And, and you, you're almost lightweight, going to feel like you're in a club somewhere. And while all this is happening, listen now, because I, I want you to be very clear. I don't think that e any of the transitions, and I used to think this way, but the Lord is revealing to me what a mistake we've all made. We think that the problem is, is the styles and the function. But the truth of the matter is, is church has not really changed in 1,500 years. It hasn't. 
from the time the Roman Catholic Church took over the church, church has looked exactly the same. Now, oh, there may be a different style or cultural idiom of how we sing or how we preach, but it's still the same. People show up in a building, they listen to a person speak, they listen to people lead in singing, and then they go home. And what I think is happening, hear me, I think that the system is failing. I think that all of us, millennials, uh, uh, baby boomers, builders, whatever generation you are, I think that the whole thing is falling apart. Trust me, it is. The whole thing is falling apart. You may not know this, but there is not one growing church in the United States that is responsible for leading non-believers to Christ. Most of your mega churches boast because they are simply converting other Christians from other belief systems. But we are missing the large portion of people that are on our planet right now, which are people who do not even know who Christ is, who do not believe in the name of Jesus. Three billion people on this planet do not believe in Christ. Yo, seriously. Um, guys, listen to me. What I'm talking about today is not a change in a worship service. It ain't just us. I'm, I'm, I'm calling for what the word of God is calling for. A total shift in how we think about church. I actually think that what's happening, I want to move around, but I can't. Y'all, my leg. Like it's really, I feel like a caged bird over here, right? <laughs> I'm so passionate about this thing today. Listen, y'all. I think that all the bad stuff that's happening in church, attendance, young people leaving, old people leaving, dry services. Come on, talk to me, y'all. Dry, dead worship. What is that, Pastor? Is that the loudness of the music? Is that the goodness of preaching? No, I'm talking about lives being changed. I'm talking about Pentecost, man, where an unschooled preacher stands up, Zach, and preaches the word of God, and 3,000 are saved. Why, if you ever asked yourself, why isn't that happening? The same sin in the world is in the church. There is really no difference between our marriages and their marriages. The only difference is, is that we are divorcing at a higher rate than they are. Our children, our families are just as worldly. A study was done on the Seventh-day Adventist Church by George Barna. He stood up at one of the general conference annual sessions and gave this information and said that in the Adventist Church, the average Adventist parent... Only 5% of them have a biblical worldview. They said, how would you say that? I believe in the word of God. This is how they found out. They asked parents. They said, uh, what, are you, uh, what do you value? Do you value your kids in sports? Do you value your kids in activities? Do you value uh, your kids on video games? Do you value all these things that have become a part of modern society? They asked Adventist parents, do you value these things? And all the Adventist parents says, no, we don't value those things. 
And then they ask them, do you value uh, worship and do you value uh, church and do you value getting involved? Do you value being connected? Do you value being committed? And they all say, yes, we value that. But when they polled the kids, they found out that all the kids were committed, committed and connected to all the things they said they don't value. Sports and entertainment and pleasure are the things that are being promoted by parents. But what's not being promoted by parents is the kingdom of God and righteousness and being spirit-filled and being a witness at school. and being, Come on, talk to me and hear somebody. Listen, what they're finding out is we are saying we believe these things, but our behavior is showing that we believe in something totally different and that we really don't believe that Christ is coming again. Listen, y'all, we're experiencing system failure. And and it needs to wake us all up that that something is wrong when when I've got to be pumped in pride. Something is wrong when I'm not feeling it. Something is wrong when there is no visible, tangible sense that the presence of God is at work in the body of Christ. Do y'all feel what I'm talking about? Please, come on. I'm trying the best I can. My, my words fail me. But does anybody feel like something is wrong with the church? There's something wrong with grace, community. There's something wrong with its pastor with its assistant pastors, with its elders, with its board members, with its leader. I'm, listen, y'all, this is not a, I'm coming for you today. What I'm telling you is, is oh, the Holy Ghost is showing with me that the whole system is messed up. Has it ever bothered you? I watched a, a, a documentary uh, just the other day um, uh, called uh, Dispatch Cleveland. Did y'all see that? Go get a chance. It's on Amazon Prime. Check it out. Anyway, one of the things that it was showing and highlighting is how you have all these beautiful churches that are planted in these horrible neighborhoods. And the churches are getting better. They're looking better. And the neighborhoods are getting worse. How? Look, that shit. What it tells me is, is that in many of our churches, we're not even upset about that. You can tell. You can tell really what what the temperature is of a church by what angers us and what we celebrate. It's like it's like if we were really bothered about the crime in what in what most researchers are saying that Cleveland is the most segregated city in America. Just had this conversation. That has the, possibly, according to the justice system, the most corrupt police department in America. The most corrupt criminal justice system in America, arguably. But I have to be honest with you. This is the most Laodicean church culture. In the Midwest, there is a spirit of apathy and complacency 
And the stuff that makes us angry generally has to do with buildings and traditions and things that have nothing to do with the building up of God's kingdom. When literally right now in this city, children are being trafficked, that the, that the fastest growing group of people who have STDs are teenagers. And the church is not making any significant impact on the world. The Bible says, if the salt has lost its saltiness, it should be cast down and burned in the fire. It's time for a praise break right now. We ought to lift our hands and thank God that he has not removed the candlestick out of its place. Oh, we ought to praise his name that he has not ended this church. He could let a lightning bolt fall in here right now and say that you have done nothing. You have done nothing according to how good I've been to you. You have done very little in proportion to how I've blessed you. I'm getting ready to take you out. How many want to praise him today and say thank you, Lord, for sparing us, for giving us another chance. Thank you, God, for the warnings. Thank you, God, for disturbing us. Here's what I believe. Based on what I'm getting ready to tell you, I believe 90%, Sean Hunt, I think 90% of what we're doing in the church needs to be totally reconsidered. Ninety. Well, I thought I did too. Because you know, let, me, let me say this. See, when I say things like this, and I'll be honest with you, before, you know what I was talking about? Form. I'm talking about mindset. I'm talking about 90%. I'm telling you, if you went into any business, any legitimate business, and, and they missed the fourth quarter mark, somebody getting fired. They merging the business, huh? They changing the name. Did y'all see just as soon as LeBron James left, what they did over there at Quicken Loans Arena? Changed the whole out thing. Tell it, changed the name. It's Rocket Loans Fieldhouse now. That's a business move right there. We're done with the past. It's time to go into a new season. We ain't living with LeBron. Take his picture down off that Sherman Williams building. We, this is how business mind people, when they are not meeting their objectives, when they are not fulfilling their mission, they totally reconsider and nobody asks questions. I'm reading Tony Dungy's book right now called Quiet Strength. Awesome book. Tony Dungy, the black coach who, I, I was, is he the first black coach to win a Super Bowl? I believe he is when he coached it. But anyway, his claim to fame is when he coached the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, 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 and really, the racism he talks about of how he had to deal with. But anyway, in the book, he's talking about, and those of you football fans, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody else, just tune me out for a minute. If you remember anything about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they had one of the most ferocious defenses that you could ever remember. They were formidable. There was a team in St. Louis called the Rams, and they had this thing called the greatest show on turf. They were, they were putting up 50 on people. 50 and 50 and 40. They were averaging at home 40 and 50 points. They played Tony Dungy's team, and he held them to 11 points. 
But Tony Dungy, over six years, could not get the team into the Super Bowl. And Tony Dungy's testimony, I have always argued that Tony Dungy was a victim of race. And I do feel to some extent he was a victim of race because they brought in a white coach, and the white coach came and took his team and led it to the Super Bowl. And I'm like, man, that ain't right. Tony Dungy built this team. But Tony Dungy in his book says that it was time for him to go because he could not get it done. He said, this business is about winning and losing. And if I'm not winning, I understand what comes with that. If we're losing, it's time for me to go. That's the way it works in football. What's wrong with the church? We're the only organization that can fail repeatedly and no consequences. At least that are visible, except the loss of our children. Except a world now that is 100% hostile towards religion. Do you realize now when you say Christian that people uh, do not see that term in a positive light? Do you realize that? That the first thing that people think about is hypocrite, self-righteous, judgmental, hates gays, does nothing for the community, abortion, things of that nature. Did Jesus do that? Uh, I bought my wife, but I'm not blaming it on her. <laughs> but she's so fine, man. It just makes you, <laughs> any, any of the happy brothers just, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, sometimes she, she's so fine, she make me do stupid stuff. And I know I'm embarrassing her now, but I'm just going to tell her the way it is. You just, come on, if you're, I'm going to get two witnesses in here right now. The rest of y'all just pray for the day that this is your testimony. But, man, I'm serious, man. Sometimes I do stupid stuff in order to please her because she's, she's intoxicating, inebriating. Y'all not playing with me today. Y'all uncomfortable in here. It's all right. You have to celebrate this thing today. Praise God that your husband and that your pastor don't got a side piece. Amen. I mean, rejoice in the fact that he's happily married. Come on, say amen. Come on, somebody. Well, Fred, man, you, you, I told you about it. You were there, man. I... Man, am I, uh, you know, I, listen, we were doing fine. We had no car note, but something about that woman, man, just makes me do stuff, you know. And so I said, she said she wanted this BMW X5. Now, I didn't have the money for a new one. That's $75,000. But I said, I will do the best I can and scour this Internet and find me the best used. Come on, somebody. BMW X5. And I th thought I found it. I remember I brought that thing home. Let's just say it like this, uh -huh. that I was blessed when I brought it home. Come yes, on, say amen. Yes, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. She looked, she looked, at, she looked at me peaceably. Yes, sir. Okay, y'all struggling over here. Yes, sir. Let, me, let me come on over here. Yes, sir. I'm telling you, man. I, I mean, y'all be talking if I was cheating, but I'm telling you, I, I love my wife. Come on, say. And I just tell you, when I brought the car home, it was a blessed day. A day of rest, a happy day, a, day, oh, yes, sir. a day to celebrate. Well, let me tell you, buying that car only gave me one good day. That was one of the worst decisions I have ever made in my life. That BMW had so many problems. When I bought that car, within the first six months, Shelly, I put eight thousand dollars in the car 
Now, now I'm not, I'm not, the, the engine didn't go out. The transmission didn't go out. I'm, you, you see, you have to understand something out here. When you drive a BMW, uh, an oil change is 250. Oh, raw, coming to you. Ah, uh, raw. When you drive a German car like a Mercedes to put tires on it. Okay, y'all don't want to receive me. I'm, I'm a, I'm a limp. I'm a limp my way right on on over here to Uncle Fred. <laughs> I'm coming to Uncle Fred. <laughs> when you drive an Audi, huh? Linda got you to get that car. I know. Hey, hey. When you drive an Audi, come on now. When you put tires on there, uh, you you don't put. Hercules tires on there. You got to put Michelins, Continentals, and, uh, and to get tires, $1,500. When you put brakes on there, oh, Denise, there you are. You know what I'm talking about. Brakes on a BMW, all the way around, $1,500. What I was doing, stay with me now, y'all, I'm going somewhere. What I had to pay in 8000 this is not even a preacher, sir. I'm not making this stuff up. $8,000 I put in that car in the first six months. Six months, man. Hey, tomorrow. There you are. I'm talking about BMW people around here. Hey, somebody. Huh? Listen, y'all. Are y'all hearing me? How much money did I put in that bed? 8000 Did y'all, how much did I stutter? How much did I say? In the first six months. And I wasn't replacing major things. I was just doing maintenance. That is good, man. See, when I bought that car, I didn't realize that when you buy a car like that, you just don't need to be able to afford the payment. You have to be able to afford the upkeep. Okay, 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 okay. Y'all, 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 you don't know where I am right now, right? Within the first year, the first year, I put 10000 in it. I got to a place, y'all, where I said, look, you know, have you ever noticed, like, when you start having problems, I'm the type of person, if my car has problems, I'm not washing it. I'll be seeing people drive around, and they got armor all on cars that don't got no muffler on it. I mean, what, I, mean I ain't washing no car that don't work. You know what I said? I finally got to my senses, and I said, it's time to get rid of this car. I put that thing on Facebook Marketplace, and bless your heart, I ended up selling that car, and I went and got a Chevy. Listen, 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 listen. I, you know how much money I put in that Chevy since I got it? Maybe $1,500. Maybe. See, but, 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 but here, here's what you need to understand. I had to get to a place with all the problems with that vehicle where I said, I don't need to keep this anymore. I need to get rid of it. I need to get something new. And here's why. I asked the mechanic. I said, yo, dude, I'm putting all these new parts on it. What's wrong? Why, why is every time you put a new part, something else goes wrong? And he said, there's your answer. He said, whoever owned the car before you didn't maintain the car. He said, so now you're coming to do maintenance, and every time you put something new on the car, it causes the old thing to act up. It could be a bearing. It could be a rubber joint. It could be something like that. So really, as you are helping to improve, while you think you're improving the car, the car is actually getting worse. All right, come here, come here, come here. The other day, uh, the other day, the other day, the other day, I walked, uh, Cam, my, my son Camden, he had the, uh, the white light of death come on his PS4, PlayStation 4. The white light of death. So he said, Dad, can you take it to get fixed? So I called Marlon. 
your son. And I said, yo, he said, take it, he said, take it into you, you fix, I break, I break, you fix, whatever that store is, where they fix your phones. I took the place, I'm going somewhere, y'all. I took the PlayStation 4 in there and, and I left it there. And, and then they called me back and they said, you need to come get this thing. I said, why? He said, the motherboard has gone out. Now, the motherboard is basically the thing that drives the whole thing. It's the computer in there. I said, okay, what's it going to cost to replace it? He said, I, ain't no sense in me telling you what it's going to cost to replace it because as much money as you put in to replace it, you might as well get a... But me, I was like, I'm trying to save money. I'm trying to hold on to this thing. And Camden was like, no, daddy, can you please get it fixed because I got games saved on there. And if they get rid of this, then I might lose some of my gains. I might lose some of my career. And, and the word came to us is, you can't repair this. You can't adjust this. You can't tweak this. You can't fix the BMW. At some point or another, you got to get something new. You can't stay with the old. And putting new with the old actually makes the old worse. Come on, Myron. Y'all not feeling me now. Okay, so, so, so let me tell you how Jesus said it. Go to the text. This is what Jesus said in Matthew, the ninth chapter. In Matthew, the ninth chapter, what Jesus basically said, and this is what I'm arguing today about church, y'all. I'll just put the original text back on the screen. Well, this is what I'm arguing right now. And this is going to hurt all of us. I think the kind of changes that need to happen at church are so massive and mindset shifting that it's going to hurt all of us. And Because what Christ is had said 2,000 years ago is what the church needs to go into the future. And what he's arguing is this. Watch this. He said, the, he said the, the disciples of John came to him. and Don't worry about moving the text. Just, just leave it there. This, let me just give you the context. Jesus had just told a man, your sins are forgiven. Y'all remember the four friends that brought the paralytic? And Jesus healed him. The Pharisees were like, who are you? Watch this now. The Pharisees represent the church. They represent the current church. Please hear me. They represented the current church as it was. They represented uh, the status quo. They represented the tradition. They, re they represented the rules and the regulations. And as soon as Christ showed up, he was in conflict, Zach, with the church. He was the new thing. But the old thing could not handle the new thing. And the old thing wanted to kill the new thing. Let me tell you why. First thing Jesus did is he started healing people that were, quote, unquote, unworthy for righteous and religious people to be around. And they said to Jesus, who are you to forgive sins? The second thing that happened that leads up to this text is then Jesus decides to go and make a part of his leadership team a man named Matthew who was a tax collector or basically a sellout. A man, I'm serious. Uh, in the word of God, there were two people that were despised. It was tax collectors and, 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 and those that had leprosy. And so Jesus, watch him now, he's offending the church setup. Instead of going getting qualified religious people, please don't miss this. He goes and gets the most unreligious people possible. I don't know if y'all are hearing me here today. Do you see what I'm talking I'm talking about Jesus' way of church. First, he's hanging with sinners. Then the Bible says that he is forgiving sins. And so now the church is hot with him. 
They're hot with him because they don't like what he's doing. They're hot with him because of his way of doing ministry. They're hot with him because he's hanging around prostitutes and sinners. He is so chilling with the sinners that they say he's a wine glutton and a bibber. In other words, all he's doing is partying. And then they come and attack his disciples. Here's our text. But this time, it's not the Pharisees. Please hear me today. This word, if received has the capacity to totally propel our church into where God is leading us. If received, hear me now. The, 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 the disciples of John the Baptist now have been stirred up by the Pharisees. Y'all know who John the Baptist is, don't you? This is right along in the text. John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, but he recently has had his head cut off. And John's disciples are upset that Jesus did not respond to John the way he did. Because they got caught up in John and did, didn't get caught up in John's message. Are y'all hearing me now? John's whole message was that somebody is coming after me. Somebody is coming whose sandals I'm not even able to tie. Somebody is coming. I, I, I must decrease. John said, are y'all Bible students in here? He said, I must decrease so that he is in, increasing. And when Jesus came, John says, behold... The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. In other words, John was saying, it's time for me to step aside. It's time for my ministry to go away. And it's time now to open the door for something new. But John's disciples had made John the standard. And when Christ came, they went to Jesus and said, Why don't you keep the traditions of fasting like we do? Let's pause here for a second. You got to be a bold somebody when the whole thing that your ministry was set up for was to make way for Christ to come. And when he comes, you're so caught up in your old way that you don't even recognize him when he comes. Oh, Lord. Holy Ghost, come in this place right now. Holy Spirit, move in this place right now. Holy Spirit, I beg of you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, is it possible that the Spirit of God is moving amongst us and there are two or three that are receiving it, but the great majority of us are still caught up in an old way that is done with? Myself included. Tell me a preacher that don't want a crowd. When, when, when you're spending 30 hours a week preparing a sermon and you're envisioning preaching it, you ain't envisioning preaching it to three people. But when you know what I hear the Lord saying? I hear the Lord saying, Edmonds, it's not about who's attending. It's about who's going. And that the emphasis of this church now needs to be less on congregating and more on going out. And that the grade that we give our churches should not be based on how many butts are in the, in the pews, but how many butts are out in the streets making a difference. And if that is the litmus test for where we are as a church, then let's all admit right now that we should pack this thing up and go to hell unless God in his mercy and his grace doesn't do something new in the church. 
Some of your own children that you have raised to fear God do not fear the God that you fear. They don't believe the doctrines you believe. They don't attend the church that you attend. Some of your kids live in this city, and they have really nothing to do with this church. I'm telling you right now, brothers and sisters, there is something that's got to shift in the God have mercy. God, something's got to shift in the church. So John's disciples say, you're not following the traditions of fasting, Jesus? You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, he said, um, let me tell you all a story. Um, you know, when the bridegroom was getting ready to get married, it's party time. It's not fasting time. In other words, Christ said to them, y'all fasting for something that showed up. Why are you fasting still? He said, my disciples don't fast because I'm here. He said, but when I'm gone, they'll fast again. In other words, what Christ is saying is, is you don't recognize what time it is. And the first thing that God wants us to understand about where the church is going in the future, the church is going to be full of people who know what time it is. They're not going to be living in the past. They're not going to be trying to return to things once done. They will recognize that the best days of the church are not behind it. Oh, glory. Hallelujah, that the best days of the church are in front of it. And that literally we are getting ready to walk into a season of unprecedented supernatural power and moves of, oh, I'm so excited about what God is about to do. Thousands are going to be coming to Christ in a day. Thousands are going to be coming away from sin. Thousands are going to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You don't believe it? I'm telling you what God said. He said there's a season that's getting ready to come that your eyes have never seen, that your ears have never heard. It will be exceedingly, abundantly, above. You just got to know what time it is. What Christ is saying is, is, can you imagine this? That the greatest thing that ever happened on the planet happened and they missed it. For example, right now, as we're speaking, the latter reign of God, the second wind of the Holy Ghost, could be falling right now, and most of us not know it. So the first thing he says, he's a recognize. Stop defending the traditions and start discipling the outcasts. Did y'all just catch that? Some of us, myself included, we defend the church too much. And we need to shut up and start going and discipling people. While they are criticizing Jesus, Jesus is opening blinded eyes. While they are criticizing Jesus, Jesus is raising the dead. While they are criticizing Jesus, Jesus is healing leopards. While they are, come on somebody, while they are criticizing Jesus, Jesus is changing the world. God help the church to be known not so much about what we don't, what we're against, and let us be known about what we are for. Now here's the mind-blowing next point as we get ready to close. So they were like, Jesus, um, why don't you fast? What they sh- he was like, wait a minute, y'all just missed it. If you're fasting still, that means you missed that I'm here. You fast for what you don't have. 
here's a mind-blowing point right here that I think has the potential to shift everything. I mean, like this, like if we really receive this thing, we ought to call a meeting and say, let's reconsider everything we're doing. Watch this. And the next point, notice what Jesus said. This is, look down at verse 16. He said, let me take it a step further. He said, besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth. Anybody ever had to patch your clothes back in the day? And how many know when you first ironed it on there? It was able to hang in there. But if you wash it a few times, what happened? It began to shrink. But your pants were already shrunk, so it began to pull away. That's what Christ is saying. He says, you don't, he says, you don't put new patches on old, ripped clothes. He says, all it's going to do is leave an even bigger tear than before. Here it goes, everybody. Watch this. He says, and no one, he's doubling down now, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Are y'all here? For the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. Here's what Christ is saying. First thing Christ is saying is, is the current religious system is imperably broken. And we're not about to put nothing new on it to fix it. It must be discarded because it's broken. That's what Christ is saying. The second thing he said is fixing it and patching it will only make it worse. What I feel like is happening in our churches, and I've been guilty of it, is just simply trying to improve something that's dead. What, so what he said, he said what, what needs to happen he says, you just, he says, because this new wine that I'm bringing, what was the new wine? The new wine was the message of Christ, the ministry of Christ, the methods of Christ, the message of Christ, the ministry of Christ, the methods of Christ. The new wine was Jesus. And Jesus was saying, this old religious system can't handle me. What are the wineskins then? Please hear this. The new wine got to go in new wineskins. Y'all know why, right? Because what happens? Same thing like if you shake up a soda. Or even if you, anybody ever freeze something? And it expands as it's frozen? It seems like, hold on, I put more, I I don't know, I put this much in there, it says it expands. The same thing happens with fermentation. Fermentation goes through a gas process and the gases create pressure and whatever container it's in. So in those days, they would always take new wine, which was most recently cut or crushed, right? It was crushed, and then it was immediately put in new wineskins. Why? Because those wineskins were new, and they were flexible. They're stretched more. So if you put new wine in an old wineskin that was rigid, that that was old, and that was dry, it would destroy both the wineskin and the wine. So Jesus is making an obvious point here. Do y'all get it? You do not put new with old. They don't match. You have to get rid of the old altogether and get something new, both new wine and new wineskins. Now, what is Jesus talking about? The wineskins represent people. 
Now, I hope that corrected some of y'all's thinking. Because our tendency is to think, ooh, let's just sing like this. Or have service at this time. Or dress up. Or dress down. None of this has changed anything. I get that. You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to put new stuff on the same mindset. The mindset of church first. It's almost like Trump's message. It is. Trump's message is America first. We have no responsibility to the world. And the church is doing the same thing. We're saying, let's do what pleases us. Let's do what we like. And if it's anything that we don't like and that pleases us, then we get offended when there is a call to change it or get rid of it. It's Trump doctrine. Well, it's just disguise. It's really not Trump doctrine. It's, it's demonic doctrine. It, it, it puts the church in a position where the church is literally saying, y'all come to us and not doing what Christ told us, which is we go to you. I still ain't said nothing yet. What's this, what's this crazy point, right? The wineskins and the wine had to have come from either a crushing process or a cutting process. In other words, where, where do you get new, new wine from? I mean, fresh. And how did, they, how, did, did they, how did they do that? They crushed them with their feet. So new wine always recently precedes crushing. And new wineskins recently came from a cut goat. So what kind of person is the person that's going to be ready for this new move of God? It's going to be a person that's crushed. A person that's being cut. A person that's being cut and crushed in a myriad of different ways, different experiences. I mean, is there anybody in here right now? See, this is, this is the point of the message where I've got to learn preacher discipline, Kim, where you learn that you don't need everybody to get this thing, but you only need the folk to get it that God intends to get it. And there are some folk right now that are unsatisfied, that are dissatisfied, that are frustrated, that are sick, that are tired of the same old, same old, of the way things have always been done, and you are being cut and it's because you're being cut see when you're going through hell and when you're being challenged by God and when you're catching it from every different way when you come into the house of the Lord you don't got no time for no mumbo jumbo for no half praise for no non-anointed word for no sorry fellowship when you're catching it from every place when you're going through it in your mind and in your spirit and in your body you are longing for God to do something mighty. You're longing for God to do something new. The old won't do for the crushed. The old won't do for the cut. You are saying, God, I need to see you in a whole new way. Feeling that, y'all? Yes, sir. I'm catching too much hell to come in here and deal with death. No life. But see, the crushed folk don't leave. The cut folk don't leave. They keep praying 
And they keep asking God to show up. And when God shows up, they know it's him because they've been expecting a change. They've been expecting something new. Y'all not hearing me now. Have we not seen folk leave the church? Have we not seen folk get up, get sick and tired of what's happening, and they roll out? A lot of times this happens because individuals did not ask for what happened. And they don't realize that there were prayer warriors that were praying for the thing to change. And when the prayer warriors were praying for the thing to change, the folks that weren't praying for God to do something new didn't recognize it as an answer to prayer. And so they got up and left too soon before they realized that what was really happening is something that God had been planning before the foundations of the world. I'm in the text. How do I know that? You had a whole nation that was looking for the Messiah. I mean, come on now. And when he came, they were offended by him. That's what they were asking for. They still asking for the Messiah to come. But because he didn't come the way he, and they want to hold on to the old way. They want to hold on to their traditions. They want to hold on to their old way of doing things, and they want Jesus. And Jesus says you can't have both because what both does, if you try to combine both, you lose 70% of your young people. One out of three of your members leaves because your mindset is off. It ain't the styles. I used to always think, Pastor Kim, man, good Lord, if we could just sing the right songs. If the people could just, if they could just lift their hands. If they, I mean, if we could just get in the building. This is where the message came from. Holy Spirit, was, I had this little thought in my mind. Oh, man, when we get in the building, they're coming back. Come on, sir. And the Holy Spirit said, do you want that? Yeah, come on, Robert. Is that what we want? Come on, Listen to what I'm saying. Don't personalize this. I'm talking about in the grand scheme of things is what we want as a church to go back to the way things were. Or could it be that God took us as a church through all this because he is trying to take us someplace we've never been before. But many of us are trying to reach back and hold on to something that God is trying to take away. Am I talking to anybody in here that's been asking God to take some stuff away? God shows you something new and different and blessed. and anno- Y'all not praying with me in here. I'm not just talking about I'm talking about in your own life. Anybody been asking for freedom? Anybody been asking for deliverance? And when God sends it, you have a hard time letting go of what you've been holding on to. And God says, I'm trying to free you from what you've been in. It's time to go into a new season. I don't have time to get into it, but let me just, let me just tell you what happens. This is crazy. Do y'all real now? Uh, it's gonna be hard for some of us to conceptualize that Jesus died for everybody. You got that? But everybody will not take up and receive the move of God, and he knows it. Now, here's here's what bothered me. He intentionally sets things up to separate 
Listen to me, beloved. I had a hard time reading this text. We don't have time, but if you look in Matthew 13, the parable of the soils. You remember that, Nina? Yeah. And he, you know, some seed fell on stony, some fell on blah, 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 blah. And then he said some seed fell on good soil, and it brought a hundredfold. The disciples was like, what you talking about? It's like, I don't understand what you're saying. He said, this is what I'm saying. Watch this. This is so, this, I'm just like, he says, he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear. And then he said, he said, I say what I say in parables so that they don't get it. Now, I'm an evangelist at heart. I want everybody to get it. We ought to want everybody to get it, right? But Jesus said, I speak in parables so that those that need to get it, get it. And those that don't need to get it, don't get it. Because my sheep hear my voice. And they know me. And here's what we just, uh, here's something we just all have to settle on right now. Everybody is not his sheep. Everybody in this room is not his sheep. And a lot of times we spend all of our time focusing on people that are resistant to the change that God is trying to make. And God says, stop wasting all your time on people that are resistant to the change I'm making. And why don't you spend the majority of your time on people that will love what I'm giving? How many times have we as a church spent all of our time asking who will be offended by what we do in here? But we are more afraid to offend one another than we are to lose thousands of people. Jesus said, listen, he said, who is the wineskin? They know who they are. Who are those that are going to receive the outpouring of the Spirit in the last day? I know who they are. Who are the wheat and the tares? Don't worry about it. I'll separate them. Who are those that are going to take up the cross and follow me? Who are those that are going to be ready for the time of trouble? Who are those that are going to be hungry for a new thing, to see God do something special, that are going to sick, get sick and tired of coming to church, hearing a sermon, going home, doing nothing, coming to church, hearing a sermon, going home, doing nothing, coming to church, hearing a sermon, going home, doing nothing. And the Lord says, I know who they are. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying into the churches. In other words, I know who are my people. I know the ones that want to do my will. And I'm not worried about them because they've been praying for what's about to go down. Have I got anybody in here that's been anxious for God to tear this church up? Lift your hands right now. Has anybody been praying, Lord, shut the thing down. Lord, start all over. Lord, do something new. Start something fresh. Anybody in here tired of the old way? Tired of the same old, same old? Tired, tired, and know that God wants something more. How many are hungering for righteousness? How many are thirsty for a move of God? How many are tired of this old way and want new And you know what I thought? I thought if we just tweak it, just adjust it, the Lord says, get rid of it. Let me put some statements on the screen. Randy, put these statements on the screen for me. Let me go. Now let me point something out. Can I get prophetic for a second? 
Adventists, y'all know that the early rain, according to Joel, has fallen at Pentecost. Don't we know that? The first dispensation of the Holy Spirit, Elder Tibbs, it fell. But that's not our focus. If you've been in this church long enough, Sean, you know that we are people that's waiting on Revelation 18 to happen. That's when the glory of God fills the church with such power that literally thousands are changed in one day. That's called the latter rain. Can I teach this thing for a second? We are supposed to be praying for the latter rain, for a fresh wind of glory, for, for God to do a new thing in a new way, not only to prepare us for the time of trouble such as never was. Because if you do not have the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about, see, everybody has a measure of the Holy Spirit. This is what the new wine is. Everybody has a measure. Or anybody that can hear the voice of God has a measure of spirit. The, the, the vilest of sinners has the Holy Spirit speaking to them. But not everybody does the Holy Spirit have. And that's the latter rain where you are totally filled with the Spirit. You receive the baptism of the Spirit. The sick are healed. Uh, the dead are raised. The anointing of God brings about deliverance. Sins are forsaken. Ah, oh, power is experienced. take my time today. If I was in Africa, they say preach two more hours. And in Africa, 100,000 people are getting baptized in one day. 100,000. Watch what happens here. I just have a couple statements I want to show you. Watch what Ellen White says about what's about to go down. Take it from the beginning of those paragraphs there. Right there. Thank you. She says, unless we are daily advancing and the exemplification of the active Christian virtues. Pause. Unless, all right, that's conditional. In other words, if you are not daily trying to live just like Jesus, I'm not talking about running around being nice to people. I'm talking about going out and changing the lives of people. If you're not practicing that, watch what she says. She says, we shall not recognize the manifestations. Did y'all just catch that? Matter of fact, John says, he says, if you do his will, then you will know the doctrine. We think we will, if we know the doctrine, we'll do his will. He says, if you have a mind to serve him, then the doctrines will become clear to you. But many of us do not have a right understanding of doctrine because we have no desire to live Christian lives. We want to live our own version. She says, unless we are daily advancing in the exemplification of the active Christian virtues, Willie, we shall not even recognize the manifestations. Go to the next one for me. Of the Holy Spirit in the latter rain. See, what's going to happen, y'all, is that there's about to be a second wind of the Holy Spirit that's, about to, that's just about to destroy the church. I mean, it's what we've been praying for. But, what's gonna, but only those who are actively right now trying to advance the kingdom of God are going to receive it and recognize it. So if you are not currently trying to build up God's kingdom, not just on the weekend, but every breathing day of your life. When the spirit of God falls, it will pass you by and you will be lost. She says of the Holy Spirit of the latter rain, she says it may be, this blew my mind, it may be falling on hearts all around us, but we shall not discern or receive it. 
even right now, it's possible the Spirit of God is connecting with people in the, in the house right now to receive the latter rain. And it is also simultaneously possible that somebody is sitting next to you saying, well, I can't wait till the service ends. When's he going to finish? Why he preached so long? But the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm not going to be confined by no sermons. I'm not going to be confined by your order of service. I'm not going to be confined by the time. Shout here. Praise here. Pray here. Could it be that the Spirit of God said, I want to destroy your whole little setup. I want to mess it up so that I can come in. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. This blew my mind, man. This blew my mind. Go to the next one for me, Brandy. She says, if we do not place ourselves, listen, y'all, if we do not, this is counsel. Y'all know what I had to go get this? I had to go back to that old book, Preparation for the Final Crisis. You know what I'm talking about? She says, if we do not place ourselves in a what, y'all? In a what, y'all? Am I talking about a new, am I talking about a new building, a gym? Am I talking about praise and worship, dress up, dress down? It's all, it all don't matter. What we're talking about is a different mindset. She says, if we do not place ourselves in an attitude to receive both the former rain and the latter rain, we shall lose our souls. This ain't a game. This ain't, well, well then some folks are going to enjoy church and some folks won't. No, this is souls will be lost. If they do not receive the next movement of God's spirit. Come on, sir. You out here fronting, coming to church, playing church, leaving here, clowning and acting worldly and doing all of God, all God knows foolishness. And there are people out in the world who are ready to leave that stuff. They're ready to leave the stuff you're trying to get into. You're trying to club, and the only reason why they club is because they don't know it's a church. You're still arguing about whether you should drink or get high, and you got people out there that only do it because they're trying to cover up pain that they've been through when their daddies have touched them and when their mommies have rejected them and mental, and mental, and, and, and mental illness. They're trying to come out of what you're trying to get into. You think the latter rain is going to fall on a drunkard? You think the latter rain is going to fall on a world-loving Christian? You think the latter rain is going to fall on folk that when you call for ministry and for prayer and for fasting, they don't got no time to do it, but they show up to work every day and got all kind of reasons why they watch Netflix, but they won't even do what the Lord saved them to do. They're stingy with their money. You think the Holy Spirit is going to fall a second time on this mess? And if you don't receive the next move of God, you're going to be lost. God messed the place up. Mess up the preacher. Mess up the worship pastor. Mess up the administrative pastor. Destroy the elders. Destroy the board. Slay the church. And let God be lifted up. Go to the next one, Brandy. The next one. She says, I got one more after this. 
the Holy Spirit will come to all who are begging for the bread of life to give to their neighbors. Give to their neighbors. That's good. Did you catch that, Keelan? See, if it just had stopped at the Holy Spirit will come to all those who are begging for the bread of life, then all of us will have the Holy Spirit. Because that's all we do is say, gimme, 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 gimme. Our prayers in church. Oh, bless us. Bless our sick and shut-in. Bless us. Bless our marriages. Bless us. Bless our children. Bless us. Bless our church. Bless us. Ain't nobody praying for the community. Ain't nobody praying for the Lord to give them strength to go out here and change the world. Ain't nobody praying that these boys out here don't got no daddies in their life, that we would get a hundred men from our church and begin to mentor these boys. We're not praying for that. We're praying for more bread, but we're not praying for bread to give. Did y'all catch the condition? The condition in receiving the second wind of the Holy Ghost is not tongues. It's not deeper worship. It's not so we can have a more intense time in his presence. It's so that God will give us some strength so we'll be able to go out of these neighborhoods, that we'll be able to turn crack houses into praise houses, that we'll be able to change projects into houses of worship and that we'll be able to change little boys that sling and drugs to little boys that love Jesus. Lord, give me your spirit so I can help somebody. Kim, you know, the Lord showed it to me. You know why our worship has to be conjured? The reason why is because we're not on mission. See, in the book of Acts, they didn't need nobody to tell them Come on, somebody. We need somebody to command us to worship. But see, when you're in China and you're being killed, when you're in the heat of battle and you're dealing with souls, does anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're working with somebody that needs to come to Christ, when you come to church, your whole worship experience changes. You start praising not for yourself, but your hands are lifted for somebody else. Ah, the reason why many of us won't lift our hands, because we ain't feeling it for us. But can you imagine if we recognize that our worship will help somebody else to get free? That I'm coming in here to pray for Pookie. I'm coming in here to pray for Ray Ray. I'm coming in here to pray for Shaquisha. I'm coming in here to pray for James and Poo Poo and Paw Paw. Your whole worship changes. That's why church sucks. Because it's selfish. Holy Spirit is not falling on denominations. This is our prophet here. She, she never said the Holy Spirit is falling on the Seventh-day Adventist church. And the church of God in Christ and everybody else, he's not falling on them because they're losing kids too. He's not falling on no institutions. He's fallen on desperate, hungry people that have been cut and that have been crushed and that are crying out for God to tear the place up and for God to do something new. They're not scared of nothing new because they're sick of where they are. Anybody there right now, you tired of where you are? See, until you get tired of being where you are, then you are going to be offended when something new comes. But if you're in the middle of hell and the Lord offers you some sunshine, the Lord offers you some rain, you're going to say, give it to me, Lord. Give it to me. Give me all of it. Whatever you have for me, I'll take it. Wherever you're leading me, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Here's the last one. Sorry, y'all. It's been a month. I got to get it all out. 
Now this, this Ellen White, y'all, listen. She says, for those of you who know who she is, Seventh-day Adventist Church had somebody who start, helped start this. She's a teenager. And a bunch of teenagers, they started this church because they was tired of tradition. They wanted God to do something new. And it just so happened that we're falling into the trap that they tried to get us out of. And so I post her statements because those of us who are part of this church will understand the weight of what she's saying. Because a lot of people use her to justify staying with the old way. She says, the great outpouring of the spirit of God. This is the last one. Which lightens the whole earth with his glory. How many want that? I said, how many want that? I didn't say millions. I didn't say millions. I said the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Watch what she said. She said, the great outpouring of the Spirit of God, which lightens the whole earth with his glory, will not come until we have an enlightened people. What you mean by that? Go to the next one. Watch this. These are conditions, y'all. Go to the next slide for me. Is that it? Oh, yes. Thank you. That no, mm, 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 mm. that no by what? What it means to be consumers. Are y'all getting what's happening here? The Holy Ghost is falling on working people. She said, when we have entire, wholehearted, what? To the service of, next one, Christ, God will recognize the fact by an outpouring of his spirit without measure. But this will not be while the largest portion of the church are not laborers together with God. I'm done. The system is broke. It doesn't need to be replaced. You got that? And we're not going to put something new on something old because then everything gets bad. What's God's answer? New wineskins. What's a new wineskin? It's people who are fully consecrated to the mission of the church. They are beyond attendance, and they are in ministry. And they are trying to change the world. That small group are going to be saved. Who is going to be lost? Church attenders who come and just want things to be as normal and then who go home and who are of no value to the church. Who walk by people every day and don't care that their souls are lost. Where in, in, in Ohio, we have one of the highest number of, of orphan children. But see, they don't read their Bible, so they don't know that Christ said through his brother James that true religion, true religion that is undefiled takes care of the orphan and the widow. If, 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 if this system in this state has an overpopulation 
of homeless, orphan children. And it's our fault. Nyoka just left an event. 3,000 in, in Cleveland public school systems are homeless right now. But we just want a word. We just want our old building back. We just want our new building. We just want to sing hymns. We just want to sing praise and worship. We want to have AY. We want to have Sabbath school. We want to have... Wait, 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 wait. If what we are doing is not impacting that out there, it's time to reconsider it all. Something up here has got to change. I don't know who I'm talking to today, and I don't really have, I didn't spend a lot of time working on my invitation. I don't even know how to appeal this. But, but, I, but I think the Holy Spirit is telling me. There's, there, there's some folks in here right now that you've been praying for God to do something. And you feel it about to happen. And you want to be ready for it. If that's you, meet me here. You're tired and frustrated and, and, and a longing for, for some life, for something real, for something powerful. Status quo, even in your own life. Can we? We've been talking about the church, but is there anybody here that's got a lifted hand and say, Pastor, you've been talking about the church, but I'm looking at my own life and saying, Lord, I need a new thing. The only way that I know how to go about this is to pray for it. That's it. I, don't, I just feel like right now, we just need to go into a season of prayer. I don't know if we need to get in groups or I don't even know if it matters. I don't, I don't really care about the structure of it. I just, I just think right now, I just want to pray. I just want to, I want to invite God. I, want, I just don't want this thing to pass me by. I'm reading those statements. I'm saying to myself, it's easy for me to say, oh, that's not me. So then why are you feeling the way you're feeling then? Why don't you have any power? And others do. Could it be that God has passed you by because you are not committed enough and dedicated enough and open enough that you, you're too rigid? You're too caught up in your own routine and rut and, and you, don't, you ain't really for change? If you don't like change, then you're going to hell. Uh, no, I'm serious. Because folks that's going to be saved are people that are, that are flexible to the different moves of God. That when God is ready to go in a different direction, they're not trying to fight him. They're not trying to push against him. They are ready to move. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody in here. But I'm talking to folk right now that are agitated. And you're agitated enough to action. You're not agitated enough to just watch online or do something else or be worldly. But you're agitated enough because you're like, I want God. I want his presence. I want the latter rain. I want to be a part of a movement. I want to be a part of the salvation of souls. I want to see God do big things. I want to see God change lives. I want to see signs. I want to see miracles. I want to see wonders. Is there anybody desperate here who wants to cry out unto the Lord with your whole heart and say, Lord, I want to see your face. 
Well, right now, I just want a, a free moving of the Spirit. I just, if, if God leads you right now to go near somebody and begin to pray with them, then do that. If, if the Lord is leading you right now to pray out loud where you stand, then do that. But, but the only way I know, the only way I know to secure the outpouring of a move of God is to pray it down and to, to call it down and to be willing enough to say, God, do it in me. Somebody might need to lay on your face. Somebody might need to get on your knees. Somebody might need to cry out. See, listen, brothers and sisters, it's a desperate cry. See, you can't pray like you've always prayed. You've got to get heaven's attention right now. And heaven's attention is not going to come from just, Lord, can you help me? It's going to come from some, Lord, I need you. Lord, do it. Lord, make me willing. Lord, make me open. Lord, make me flexible. Lord, I want to change. Lord, I want to be a part of something that is bigger than me.
not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit, saith the Lord, not by might, nor by power. Oh God, I hear you saying, this is where I want you, Grace Community. This is where I want you, Grace Community. I want you broken. I want you at your wit's end. I want you confused. I want you not knowing what to do. I want you out of options. I want you not in control. I want you to simply cry out and say, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Fresh wind. Is there anybody that is still in their seat and you feel convicted by the Holy Spirit that God wants you to come out of your seat because your seat is symbolic of your situation. You are where you always are and and you ain't moved and and God is saying, come out of your seat and come forward and, and cry out to me. Don't be afraid. But you don't want the Spirit of God to pass you by. You don't want the Spirit of God to fall on your neighbor and it doesn't fall on you. Many of you have said, this is all I'm going to get. This is all the church is going to get from me. This is it. I'm just going to show up to church. I'm going I'm to listen to the sermon. I'm going to be a good person. But that's all they can ask of me. But, but what if the Lord is calling you to more? The Lord says, you got to take up your cross. you got to deny yourself. Then you follow me. You can't do whatever you want anymore. Somebody needs to be delivered right now. And your prayers could your prayers could get them out of their seat and get them to the altar. There's somebody still in their seat and you need to be at the altar. And my hand is bowed. My eyes are closed. It ain't none of my business. But we're praying for you right now that the Lord will break that stronghold in your life. That the Lord will break that situation in your life. That the Lord will cause you to stop being resistant. Stop being resistant. Stop putting up them walls. The Lord says, I'm coming to tear him down so I can come in. Behold, he stands at the door and knocks. Come right now. Come out of your seat right now. Come out of your seat right now. And say, Lord, Lord, I just don't want to be in church and, and, and do church and, and, and go home. And, and, and then the Spirit of God just passed me by. All I ever knew was church attendance, but I never knew being in his presence. I never knew latter rain. I never knew signs and wonders. I never knew baptism of the Holy Spirit. I never knew prophesying. I never knew ministries of helps. And I never knew ministries of mercy. And I never knew ministries of teaching. And I never knew ministries of deliverance. All I knew was just to come and show up and be nice. And God says, I want to mess up your little life right now because your little life is headed nowhere. And I want to use you to do exceeding abundant of all you can ask or imagine.
If you want to be comfortable, go to another church. The Lord is separating wheat from tares in here today. He's saying, I want more. The people are crying out and they're saying, God, I prayed for this, but God, I resisted it when it came. But right now, somebody needs to lift your hands and say, Father, I've been resisting, but I yield right now. I yield, oh God, I yield. I've been holding on to the past. I've been holding on to my feelings, but I want to yield right now because I don't want this fresh wind of glory to pass me by. I don't want to die and go to hell in church. Is there anybody else that needs to come forward and just say, Lord, I, wanna, I want more. Come right now. Come right now. The hour is late, but we're willing to wait on you. 10. 9. Some of you have attitudes and dispositions. And the Lord's trying to break you from it. Some of you have fears and pains and it's causing problems in relationships with people and, and you, you just can't get out. And, and God is saying, I want to break that cycle. I want to break that chain. Some of you have secret sins, sexual sins and addictions and, and alcohol and drugs and, and anger and abuse and cutting yourself and suicidal thoughts and what are destructive behaviors. Whoever you are, the Holy Ghost is saying right now, I'm here and I'm able to heal and I'm able to deliver, but I will not make you do anything. But if you call on me, I will answer. If you call on me, I will deliver. If you thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. Is there somebody who has been just a traditional church person? That's all you know. You've just been sitting and nothing. And the Lord says, salvation, you can lose it if you don't receive the second wind of his glory. Don't resist this new thing God's doing. Come even now. Come. Come. How many are lifting their hands and saying, Lord, I, I want, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready. Bring it right now. Bring it on my family. Bring it on my marriage. Bring it in my own personal life. Bring it on my children. Bring it in grace. How many want it in grace? How many want to see God to do something fresh and new? Come on, lift your hands right now. I'm not talking about a new building, but I'm talking about a new people. I'm not talking about a new sanctuary, but I'm talking about new temples where God dwells. And lift your hands right now. If you're desperate and say, God, I'm willing. I'm Here I am. I'm signing up for it. Take me where you want to take me. Use me how you want to use me. Lead me where you want to lead me. Is there somebody who wants to join this church today? Is there somebody who wants to join this church today? The Lord just confirmed it in this service. In this service just now, the Lord just confirmed it. This is what you needed. Now you know this is where I need to be. This is where God wants me to be planted. And I believe the Spirit of God, I know you're here right now because the Holy Spirit told me you are. He just confirmed it. He said, this is why you are here today because you're joining today. This is the church I want you to be a part of. If the Lord is talking to you, join this church right now. You know, it ain't nobody's business. It's between you and the Lord, but the Lord is talking to you. I want you to raise your hand right now. Lord said, join this church right now. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Is there somebody else? Lift your hand right now. Lift your hand right now. Is there somebody else? Is there somebody else? Somebody else? 
somebody else. This is the con- this is the service. This is the experience, the encounter where God is saying, "No, stop going to church and become the church. Stop trying to just get fed and get a word and start asking for bread to feed somebody else." The Lord said, you need to be a part of a squad and do that with a squad that doesn't mind the Holy Ghost coming in and saying, do whatever you want. Have your way. Lead wherever you want to lead. Is there somebody else? Lift your hand right now. The Lord is talking to you. Ten. Nine. I got to close this thing. Eight. Lift your hand right now. The Lord is saying, join right now. Lift your hand right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The Holy Ghost is moving upon your heart right now. Be obedient to his voice. The Spirit of God saying, plug in right here to this fellowship. Lift your hand right now. Seven. Lift your hand. Six. Five. You're like, I don't even know what's going on right now, but I hear the Holy Ghost talking to me saying, this is where I need to be. Lift your hand. Five. Lift your hand. Four. Hallelujah. Three. God, I'm praying our church services are never the same again. I'm praying our meetings are never the same again. I'm praying our commitment level is never the same again. I'm praying our volunteers will never be the same again. Our ministry leaders will never be the same again. Our church board will never be the same again. Our elders will never be the same again. Our pastors will never be the same again. That I will never be the same again. God, I just don't want this to be a moment. I want this to be a movement. God, I don't want this to be a moment. I'm praying for a movement. God, I'm not just asking for a moment. I'm praying for a movement. God, we're not just asking for a moment. God, we're praying for a movement. God, we're not just asking for a moment. But God, we're praying for a mindset. A movement! Brothers and sisters, listen to me very carefully. Next Sabbath, next Sabbath, next Sabbath, I need you to get every single person that you know that you can get to be in this building next Sabbath. Because we just prayed for a movement, didn't we? This ain't a moment. God is going to continue this thing next week. And we're about to put a vision before you. We're going to make some big requests of you that's going to stretch your faith like you've never seen before. It's going to happen next week. But I need you right now to make a commitment and say, I can't get that by myself. I'm not going to go get that blessing by myself. I don't want this to be a moment. I need it to be a movement. So remember what I preached about. You're asking for bread, not just for you. You're asking for bread to give to somebody else. So let's go into prayer right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're praying that this place next week will be filled to overflowing with people that need a word from the Lord. People that need to hear from God. People that want a moment, not just a moment, but a movement in their life. God, in the name of Jesus, give us bread, not just so that we are filled, but give us bread so that we can fill somebody else. I don't hear you talking to me in here today. How many are hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Not just for you, but how many want to pass it on to somebody else? Somebody give God a shot of praise. Somebody open up your mouth and say, God, use me. God, use me. God, use me. Sing it like your heart is desperate for a move of God's exit. I surrender.
Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. And then return to your seats. All to thee be my blessed Savior. Sing it again. I surrender. Come on. I surrender. Jesus. I surrender. No one move. Father, we want a movement and not a moment. Reverently, I just want to invite the deacons if they will come forward. And as they're coming, no one move me. It's time to worship the Lord. Not just in our voices and in our prayers. But God, we don't want this to be a moment. And the test sometimes is even with our money. We want you to have all of us. Including our finances, God. So that your anointing is on our finances, oh God. And so we reverence you in this moment of worship. And we are not selfish or stingy. Neither do we hold back from you. Because all that we have is thine, O oh Lord. And of thine own do we give to ye. So Father, right now, as we get ready to lift this offering, this tithes and these offerings, God, let us not be selfish and say, you can have my worship, my singing. You can have my ministry. But my money is something different. God, we... You got to have the whole service today, the whole service. All of it is yours. And so we give you this project that's before us. We give you the ministries that we want to accomplish, the evangelism. All these things require funds. But you love a cheerful giver. He that hath an ear, let him hear. That's not for everybody. But he that hath an ear, the Lord says, so right now. He that hath an ear, if the Spirit of God says, so right now, give and be obedient to his Spirit. Amen. Uh, deacons, if you will come now and wait on us. There are a multitude of ways that you can give. You can give, those of you who are watching online, via Facebook, just click on Donate on our page. You can, you can give uh, on our website. Or you can just do it the old-fashioned way. You can just give whatever you have as we seek to 